and welcome to episode 29 of Owen the Saints. I'm your host, Patrick Serlis. With me is Jack. Jack, how are you doing? I'm all good, thank you, Pat. How are you? Yes, very good, thanks. No beer this week, no Saints game, so <laughs> no beer. Um, we are chatting transfers. The transfer window shut last week and we are going to recap Saints business and then look ahead. Um, well, we're also chatting to a uh, French football expert, Clinton, um, who who writes for Get French Football News. He'll be giving us the lowdown on Ibrahim Adalo. Um, very excited to get him through the door. So Jack, I'll get your thoughts on that signing. Um, and then we'll, we'll chat to Clinton and we'll also look ahead to Saints next match, the first match after the international break, which is Chelsea away. Um, so let's start with, with business then. Kyle Walker-Peters in, Salasu in, Walcott in, surprise of the of transfer deadline day and Diallo in um mm. where do you want to start um well I'll start with uh Diallo and Salasu because I think they're the two key ones and you put a tweet out which I think summarizes our window and my thoughts on the window perfectly the success of those two players will determine whether it's been a good window or not for me because Carl Walker-Peters I think he's been one of our best players so far this season and he was brilliant at the back end of last season but like we said before, that's consolidating a good team. And I'm delighted we've got him in, but we knew what he brought to the table. Salasu, you know, I'm so excited to see him play. I think we've, we can really improve that centre-half position and he comes really highly recommended. Hopefully he hits the ground running. Not sure whether he's going to come straight into the team against Chelsea. I'd be very surprised if he did. But hopefully, you know, in the next few weeks and certainly before Christmas, we'll start to see him more regularly. Um, Diallo again is one that comes very very highly recommended with clubs such as Monaco and Arsenal and Everton linked with him in the past and I think you know he might not have that physical presence of other midfielders but everything you know that you read about him is just all about you know how high energy pressing game that just seems to suit our style of football to a T so hopefully he fits in seamlessly alongside Ward Prowse in that midfield and then well, yeah, what a, what a final day that was. I think it was on Monday, wasn't it? When we got linked to Walcott the day before and then it was just all seemed to be happening on that Monday. But um, that certainly was the surprise one. Um, yeah, I don't think we've spoken about Walcott, have we? No. On a podcast? No. no. Well, came out of nowhere, really. Came out of nowhere. I mean, I am... Um, I'm not against it at all because I think he adds a great amount of depth to Southampton. I think... Uh, you know, there's in football there is an element of sentimental, you know, aspect to the game. So I think bringing someone like Walcott, who grew up in Southampton, and you know, um, he's going to bring a different dimension to the team. We've got a, quite a few young players. You've got Teller, got Smallbone, that all. I think bringing in someone experienced like Theo Walcott is going to uh, can only be a positive, really. And everything you read about him, he sounds like he's a model professional. So yeah, and I think who got injured is. No, it's um, Stuart Armstrong, hasn't he? He's got coronavirus. So yeah. <laughs> I think Walcott, Walcott might be used sooner rather than later. But yeah, overall positive window. I'm excited to see the new players come in. What, what do you make of it? Yeah, I mean, starting starting where you just left off there with Walcott, I guess. I mean, he doesn't fit the profile of what, we, what we've what we been signing under Ralph um, in terms of like a young player uh, that's got um, potential to grow with us and, and maybe move on, move him on for a profit. Like I think Walcott's 31, 32. He's towards mm. the end of his career. Um, so from that um, point of view, it's kind of why it came as a surprise to me. 
But yeah. like you, I, I don't I don't hate it. I think you need to have a balance in your squad. Um, you need to have a balance of youth and experience. And we've already seen in the first few weeks of the season um, what injuries can do. And particularly in that position, we, we lost Armstrong after the international break. Obviously, now he's got coronavirus as well. Nathan Redmond picked up an injury in the Carabao Cup. Mm. That, that position... Um, where Walcott will be really useful is going to be up front, but also in replacing Redmond and Armstrong in those kind of advanced midfield positions. So you need depth there. I mean, Ralph this season has brought on Teller. He's a young player. He's got lots to learn. He obviously, Ralph rates him highly, but I feel much more confident now looking at our bench with Walcott on there as an option to come off it should we need a goal or or something yeah. like that. Um, I just think he adds great depth for us. And and yeah, it's it's not our typical signing, but I'm on board with it 100%. Um, I'm excited to see what he can do this season for us. And from, from Southampton's point of view as well, it sounds like there's no financial commitment. Um, I think he's out of contract at Everton at the end of this season. So I, we'll just see how it goes. So there's no, there's no commitment from Southampton's point of view to take him um, permanently. He's obviously on a massive wage at Everton. And I think Dan Sheldon from The Athletic was saying that we're paying less than half of it, which is which is fantastic business um, from our point of view, if that is that is the case. Mm. Um, on Salas, on, well, Walker Peters is Walker Peters. Like you said, he's been one of our best players um, so far this season. So great signing there. That's a big tick. On Salasu, um, we're going to be chatting to Clinton um, shortly, who, who will be taking us through um, what to expect from Diallo. Um, but Clinton was extremely complimentary about uh, Southampton scouting. Um, he, he rates Diallo very highly, which we'll come on to, but he also um, rate, rated uh, Sangari, who Southampton were apparently was our, was our top target before we moved for Diallo because I think Sangari's work permit um, failed. So Clinton is a fan of him as well. And he also is a big fan of Salasu. Um, he... He watches a lot of Spanish football, Clinton. I think he's a Valencia fan and, and was full of praise when I was speaking to him for Salasu and is really excited to see what he can do at St. Mary's. So that's positive as well. I mean, I haven't seen Salasu play. I haven't seen Diallo play. Um, but it's great to speak to people that have seen them play and rate them really highly. Now, that's not to say that they're going to come in and absolutely smash it at Southampton. I think the cautionary note comes when you look at some of our players that we've signed from the continent in the last couple of transfer windows. Um, and they make up the the outgoings that we'll come on to. We're talking about people like Hoyt, Carrillo, Lamina, even Bufal, where we've signed these talented players from abroad and they just haven't worked out. Um, so definitely a word of warning because it doesn't always work out. But um, yeah, certainly at this stage, very, very positive and very, very excited to see them um, in a Southampton shirt for sure. Um, yeah. Do you want to, um, quick question, do you want to see Diallo starting at the bridge next Saturday? Um, tough one. Very, very tough one. Um, I think Chelsea haven't looked particularly good so far this season. So now we've got a couple of win- wins under our belt. I go there thinking that we can get a result. Um, they've obviously spent massively and they've got world-class players in their team that's going to be a lot to handle. And where I'm concerned about Romeo is the kind of pace of the game. Um, they've added the likes of Werner and, and it's going to be, they're, they're going to be very, very dangerous. Um, I think it all depends on how Diallo comes in and, and performs at training. I think he's been on international duty with France under 21s, which doesn't help his case because 
he's going to come in and only have a couple of days training before the match at the bridge. So I think I'd be very, very surprised if he came in and started. Would I like to see it? Yeah, sure. It'd be exciting. It'd be exciting to see him in action. If you put me on the spot, I'd probably say that he starts on the bench. What do you think? Yeah. No, I agree. I think your point about him being away with the international team with France, Romeo is going to be, he's not going away on international duty. So I think I'd be surprised yeah. if he comes back as a few days training and gets thrown in at that game. Um, just on that centre midfield position, slightly unrelated point, we had a question from Dave Gibson on Facebook, actually, um, mm. who was just asking, what do we think of Jack Stevens potentially? He's been, well, he's been dropped out of the team. Could he play centre midfield? What do you think? Well, Stevens is an interesting one, actually, because obviously we've... Vestergaard's come into the team, replaced him. We've done really, really well um, since Vestergaard came in from Stevens. Um, Bedner Axel, the centre-back. That partnership's looking good. And obviously then we've got Salasu waiting in the wings, who's who's building up his experience playing um, and training under Ralph. And, and you'd expect we spent the best part of £12 million on Salasu. You'd expect he's going to be first choice once he's up to speed. So you factor Stevens into the mix and we've got four... Um, centre-backs that each would be thinking that they should be first team. Yeah. Um, so we've got four players competing for two positions. I do think that it seems like Stevens is definitely going to be left out. Um, the way the Vestergaard's playing, it's difficult to leave him out. Bednarak's been solid and then Salasu. So it's tough on for Stevens. I don't think that he's a centre midfielder. I mean, I've, I've spoken to people in the past that have suggested that he could play that kind of holding role in midfield and I get it because he's very good on the ball he's got a good range of passing we've discussed it before about him stepping out from the back and playing balls forward I keep going back to the same example but it's the one that always sticks into my head about him Palace away last season where he picked out the pass for for Redmond um, who then turned and scored and and he is very good and he is very comfortable on the ball so I see why people think that he can play in midfield but what I would say is um, we're, we're fans and we watch the game. I mean, coaches are working with these players every day. If there was something in Stevens's game that meant that he could push slightly forward, further forward and maybe play alongside um, Ward Prowse in a, in a midfield too, I think we would have tried it. I, I, yeah. I remember many, many years ago, I think it, it was briefly... Um, I can't remember which manager it was, but they did briefly experiment with Stevens slightly further forward and it didn't work. Um, and you look at players like, um, we like as fans like to project what we think a player can be um, rather than just focusing on what they currently are. Um, and I think a really good example is that is when everyone, well, lots of people watching England around 2016 were saying Wayne Rooney should drop back into midfield because he's great on the ball and he's a great passer and, He's Manchester United and England's record goal scorer. He's a, he scores goals. He's he's really good up front. Now, he obviously lost physically. He lost some of his pace, and and the temptation was to move him back into midfield, which didn't end up happening, and it was a disaster. I mean, England mm. at Euro 2016 were absolutely shocking, um, and we had Rooney in that kind of quarterback role, smashing passes left, right, and centre, and it just didn't work. And I'm really, really cautious when it comes to. Um, projecting onto players what we think they could be rather than just accepting them for what they are. And I think that's, that's the case with Stevens. Um, I don't know what your, what your thoughts are, but I'd be a big, a big no to pushing him into uh, the field. 
Yeah. Thanks for bringing up Wayne Rooney. I just remembered that Iceland game and it's just <laughs> exactly. ruined my Sunday now. So uh, thanks for that. Um, no, I agree with you. Stevens is not a centre midfielder. He's got the attributes to play out from the back, but Premier League midfielder coming against some of the best players in Europe, I think he would be terrorised there. I think he's just a, not mobile enough. Uh, you need to have a bit more about you in that position. So it's a no from me, but good question though. It's an, it's, it's an interesting one because I think yeah. he is going to struggle now to get back into the team, Stevens. Mm. And um, yeah, I mean, he, he's had some great games for us in, in Project Restart. He had some great games. I think back to that Man City game. Fantastic. Um, Him and Bednarat were blocking everything, weren't they? Yeah. Um, but we, we, our ambitions are to move forward um, into the top 10. So this kind of competition for places in, in central defence is, is really, really important. Um, to achieving mm. something like that, so um, let's let's move on uh, to to outgoings, and we can rattle through some of these pretty quickly before going on to chat to Clinton about Diallo. Um, starting with Mario Lamina uh, and Harrison Reed, actually, they both gone on loan. Well, Harrison Reed's actually joined permanently, but M- Mario Lamina on loan to Fulham. Both those transfers, well, definitely the Lamina one made sense. He didn't have a future at Southampton. The Reed one was a little bit more interesting because pe- people thought that he maybe could have a position at Saints but we've brought in Diallo now I'm excited to see what he can bring he's a similar kind of midfielder so yeah I've got no 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 issues with those transfers personally no I mean I think Reed Reed would have been depth for us um and he's got first team football at Fulham so no qualms yeah. there Lamina I kind of tweeted it it's, it's good riddance really very talented player but not got the attitude um for for us really and it just didn't work out so um yeah good good to see him moved on and, and hopefully we could just get him permanently um, off yeah. the books which we which we did do with Guido Carrillo permanently left Southampton after uh, a disastrous two-year spell um, complete mess I think the best outcome for both parties was to terminate his contract um, and that's what happened so so yeah good, good just to get under that con- get out <laughs> from under that contract really one of the worst transfers that the beautiful game has ever seen. I think <laughs> signing a player for 20 million quid and him not scoring a goal and then having his contract terminated two years later. I've, I'm struggling to think of a worse signing, to be honest. Absolutely shambolic, really, when you put it like that. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, we've spoke about him before. He's not someone that, like, I, I actually wish him well and you know every every time he did turn up Southampton he looked like he gave it 100% he did get unlucky I think he hit the post a few times but just obviously not cut out for the Premier League yeah really didn't work out that was yeah just just move on I think is the best thing to do yeah. there Wesley Hoyt another one which I think we can move on pretty swiftly from um, he's departed on loan so just uh, we've already discussed centre-backs so there's absolutely no no place for him at Southampton um, with our current options and yeah, he was another one that was a bit of a disaster, really. Yeah, he was again. Yeah, shocking signing, really. Never. I think he was coming to replace Van Dijk, and it's just ridiculous how poor he was. Sans. And I'm surprised the club like Lazio have gone in for him. I think we have got a loan fee, which is which mm-hmm. is decent. So it's not completely just you know wasted wasted opportunity there for us to get money. And so we got some money from Lazio, but. Um, it's just so obvious, so striking for me, really, that he's got no. Like Hoyt, that, that, sorry, that Hassan Hootel just doesn't see anything in him. Yeah. So, you know, he'd obviously see him in pre season, he'd see him, and he just thinks he's awful. So, good riddance. Hoyberg, we've discussed enough, so um, we'll move on from him. Last one I wanted to mention was Bufal. 
um, has returned mm. to his former club, Angiers, um, and, and I actually asked Clinton about Buffal as well. So um, it's interesting to get his thoughts on on him because he was very, very good in France. We obviously signed him from Lille um, for £15 million. Um, sum up your thoughts on, on Buffal's Saints career. Frustrated. Yeah. In one word, very frustrated. I think we'll always have those moments. We'll always have the goal against Sunderland, the goal against West Brom, the screamers that he scored. But I can just remember some games going to watch Buffal. I think of one at the Emirates where we drew 2-2 last season. And it was just nearly moments, nearly moments. I think he had an opportunity to win the game. And for a winger like that, you want them to be having a big impact week in, week out. And it just wasn't happening for him. So disappointed because he's got so much quality and if you listen to any interviews with Saints players or previous players he's played with they always say that he's the most talented player and you can just imagine in five aside he would be mega new left right and centre but it just didn't really happen at Southampton to frustrated overall yeah I mean I completely echo those thoughts and what I would say just to add extra to that is I don't think there's any any ever like He's not a bad person. Like I think around the training ground, people he was quite likable, and I think people did like him at Saints. Um, but I think the fact that we've brought in someone like Theo Walcott, who is pretty much every time you read a story about him, he is described as a model professional. It's just very different, I think, to what you get from Sofiane Buffal, who's more of a happy-go-lucky character. Um, so I think it was just interesting that we've kind of got rid of Buffal and brought in someone like Walcott that's that's much more kind of focused every day on training and, and working hard and um, giving it 100% because I think that is certainly a criticism that could be levelled at Buffal is that he didn't give it 100% every time he got an opportunity. Um, yeah. But let's move on. Let's welcome in Clinton to the podcast. Really, really excited. Clinton is a French football expert. He writes Forget French Football News. Um, we came across him from a podcast that he did um, specifically on Diallo, which you can check out um, if you check out Get French Football News on Twitter. Um, but we're going to bring him in now and, and ask him about Ibrahim Adalo, what to expect from him at St. Mary's, uh, how he's been getting on in France, and, and yeah, all that and much, much more. So let's welcome Clinton into the podcast now. I'm delighted to welcome Clinton to the podcast. Clinton can be found on Twitter at Sarah Brone. Clinton, how are you doing? I'm great. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Thank, thank you very much for joining us. We really do appreciate it. So um, just going off your Twitter profile, you're a content creator. Um, uh, yeah. Forget French football news. And yeah. you watch a lot of Ligue 1, I guess. And you've seen a lot of um, Southampton's new signing, Ibrahim Adalo, yeah, and yeah. we're really excited for you to come on to tell us a little bit about what sort of player he is. Um, I'm guessing you've watched a lot of him, is that fair to say? Yeah, I, I followed him through last season, so because that was his first season top flight, so I followed him for most of the season, before the season was truncated. So yeah, I saw enough of him to have you know a good enough opinion. Great. Well, I first came across you actually um, by someone shared something onto our Twitter at, o, at Owen the Saints. Um, and it was a podcast that you did, Forget French Football News, which was kind of a profile of Diallo, um, yeah. which I would recommend for Saints fans that are looking for more information on him to check that out after, after listening to us because it was really, really interesting. Um, so 
just to start with, really, what can Saints fans expect from Diallo? What sort of player is he in the midfield? Well, um, he's he's a box-to-box player, box-to-box midfielder. Uh, but we have seen that he can sit very well um, in front of the defence as well. Um, but I, I do think that making him sit feels like a waste of his talents and his best qualities because he's such a good ball carrier and he does a lot of ball winning on the go. And he also glides past players with the ball effortlessly and when he's not breaking lines. So he's he's also fast. He's also a very fast player and he recovers quickly as well. Uh, he's he's that kind of player. And he's a player that I feel can can play multiple midfield roles. So he's like a midfield general, and he has a, he has bags of ability on the ball, off the ball, and it's very. It's not very often you see a player who is as good defensively as he is, you know, offensively. So he has that balance in his play. Yeah. Well, Southampton fans are really excited to watch him. Um... Because, I mean, me personally, I've never seen him play before. I haven't watched a lot of French football. Kind yeah. of my only experience of French football is uh, Champions League. So I had, hadn't seen him before. He's obviously coming in to replace uh, Pierre-Emil Hoiberg, who moved to Tottenham. Yeah. And Hoiberg was very much a, uh, a number six for us in the sense that he was great at ball recoveries, great um, at, at kind of breaking up the opposition play. And then keeping it simple with his passes to our more attacking players. Now, how does that compare to to Diallo? Is he is he similar to that? From what it sounds like, he's a bit more. uh, He's a bit better on the ball. Yeah, definitely. I was going to say that. Um, I think defensively, he's just as good, and you know he has that ability. But then beyond that, he also has a lot of ability on the ball, which is a huge positive because he can pick up the ball and you know take it further into the opposition half and do do certain things. Can distribute it, can play a through ball or something. So uh, I can also distribute very well in terms of long balls and just playing the cross and switching play. So I. Do do think that um, he he offers more, you know, in terms of on the ball ability, but mm-hmm. he also has he's also going to bring that same defensive ability. So whatever hole has been left behind by 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 Heuberg is going to be covered by him. But then he adds a bit more, so you get more uh, as well as you know filling in the hole that has been left. Well, great. I mean, so he came through at Monaco um, as as a young player and. Yeah. They've got obviously got a great reputation for bringing through uh, talent. Um, how, uh, what's it, what's Diallo's reputation like in France? I think he's a French under twenty one international. Is he yeah. is he highly rated? Are they excited about his potential and about his move to the Premier League? Yeah, I think he's very highly rated, but he's not um, as lauded as a lot of other players. He's not. He doesn't have the PR. You know, like we we have with other players, he, probably mm-hmm. because he plays for he plays for a modest club in Brest, so or he played for them before he moved to Southampton, obviously. But um, I think he's very elevated. Generally, he's very very elevated, and many know that many know the ability that he has and that he carries and what he can do. He's just not as you know, um, lauded as the others. Is not there's no 
big PR talk about him every week. I mean, you can, you can imagine how it is with the other players that are more popular. You've, I mean, before um, the likes of Ndombele came into the Premier League, you already heard about them a lot, at least on Twitter. You saw a lot of talk about them. But Diallo has kind of gone under the radar. And in a way, it, it was kind of frustrating for me because I wanted him to be talked about more. I was seeing this guy and I was just in awe of his ability but I mean, mm. I guess that's how it is with football. Some people just get more hype than others. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think that's fair to say. I think you probably touched on a um, probably partly to do with the fact that he was playing at at Brest. Um, but what another thing I wanted to ask you actually it was about the type of midfield partner that he plays alongside. Um, because at Southampton, he'll be playing next to James Ward-Prowse. Um, what? sort of midfielder was Diallo playing alongside in Ligue 1 and, and what brings out his best? Well, um, for parts of last season, he played in a three-man midfield with two guys, Batokyo and Polane, who liked to go forward. They weren't really um, your traditional midfielders. They were just like um, interiors, basically who, you know, initiated attacks, like who ran attacks further forward. So Diallo had to sit for them. And sometimes, of course, he moved as well because he can't really resist that. He has to move and, you know, sometimes carry the ball. But he played with those two and you can't really classify those two as um, midfielders in the sense that he is. So he, he was one doing the sitting for them. But then this season, his, I mean, last few games so far this season, he's played with um, Belkebla who is someone who sits generally while Diallo kind of moves. And he also played with him last season, but I think he got injured at some point. So um, the dynamics kind of changed. But he's been playing with him in a um, double pivot. So he's like the one who does the box-to-box work while Mm -hmm. um, Belkebla sits. So that's that's kind of it. But he's he's very 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 adaptable to different roles. If you want him to play as the guy who just sits and doesn't go anywhere and just wins the ball and moves it forward, then he can do that. If you want him to be the guy who picks up the ball and carries, you know, it into the final third and initiates attacks, then he also can do that. So he has a lot of ability. Sounds sounds great. I mean, sounds encouraging. Um, f- from a Southampton perspective, um. He was signed, apparently it was around 12, 12 million pounds, 12.7 million pounds. Um, and he was, in the past, has been linked with other teams. Um, I think Leicester were mentioned, um, Arsenal, I think Monaco as well were, were potentially uh, linked with bringing him back to the club. Um, yeah. Are you surprised that he ended up at Southampton or does this feel like a good fit for him? Um, I'm not surprised at all. Um, I think it's it's a good move because he's coming to play with um, a manager I consider to be an incredible manager. So it's a good environment for him to grow. And for a player like him, I don't think he's ready for a huge step up immediately. I mean, obviously, he has a lot of maturity in his game. But at the same time, you don't want to take that step to the absolute highest level too early. So, I mean... If he's going to end up in some elite club in future, no, I mean, obviously we know that, that that tends to happen when a player of his caliber or a player with a lot of talent shows too much in, you know, a team that is not yet maybe a title contender or something. You know that they would always come and flock around the player. But I think that right now at the stage he is in his career, 
Um, Southampton is a very, very good place to be. I, I, immediately I saw that the um, signing was going to happen. I was actually very excited because I've followed um, Southampton over the years. I mean, obviously not closely, but I've had a lot of Southampton players that I've liked in the past. Mm-hmm. I remember fondly the poach teams with um, the likes of, um, what's his name, Lalana and, and the rest. Yeah. I really, really enjoyed that team. Like I love that team a lot. I think they finished sixth or so behind yeah, yeah I, I remember that very well about, about three points behind manchester city or something 63 yes. points if i remember correctly <laughs> so like that so I've, I've seen the progression and the way a lot of those footballers who have gone to, to something have grown into you know really really good players and for me and for the way i see with french talents and especially the ones i really like i like to see them develop properly in clubs where and in environments where it's not it's not overwhelming for them. So like I'm really 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 particular about that. So seeing him in Southampton for me, I think he's a good fit. I think it's it's a fantastic place to grow as a player, and I think he's going to play a lot of years in Southampton and really bring a lot to the team. So I mean, for twelve point seven million, I do think that that's a a steal. I think he's 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 very cheap. Um, for the kind of player he is and the ability that he has. I, I feel like a lot of people have been sleeping on him for a while. So um, getting him for 12 million is incredible. <laughs> well, from from our perspective, he fits the profile of the type of player that we sign perfectly. Um, yeah. He's young. He's got um, potential to get even better. And from a Southampton perspective, it's it's all about bringing these these players in, making our team better, but also having a, a significant resale value for us. If yeah. if they live up to their potential, then they can potentially move on to a top four team, um, uh, either in the Premier League or elsewhere in Europe. So elsewhere. Um, I, yeah. I think he fits the profile for us perfectly. Um, I did want to ask you um, briefly about another player that we were linked with from uh, League Un, and that was Ibrahim Sangare, who was at Toulouse and ended up moving to PSV Eindhoven. Uh, apparently, Southampton had a deal agreed for him, but it fell through due to work permit issues. He's an Ivory Coast international. Yeah. Could you just tell us a little bit about Sangari? Um, am I even pronouncing that his name correctly? Sorry, my French is terrible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you <laughs> but, are. Um, um... How does he compare to Diallo and... Should Southampton fans be disappointed that we missed out on him, or should we just be um, happy that the fact that we've got Diallo in? Well, I have to say first of all that um, I'm very, very impressed with Southampton's scouting. I think he's it's very unlike most teams in the Premier League. Um, a lot of Premier League teams are a little lazy, in my opinion, with their scouting. I think that they just go, they, they just follow the hype, and whoever everyone wants, then you know they they get in the mix or something. But with Southampton, and even this this just shows that you know there's some thought to the um, transfer approach because Sangare and Diallo are a similar profile and Sangare is a player that I love like a lot I've been screaming for over a year now for someone to save him from Toulouse because Toulouse was absolute rubbish it was like you know (laughs) he was was in a team where they they didn't win a game for almost a year they just won their first game in like like two two or three weeks ago since October last year. So it's it's a bit crazy. And he was stuck there and every time he was consistently delivering very good performances, but around a team where it didn't matter because they'd lose anyway. 
So um, I think that it's 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 he's a similar profile to Diallo, of course. Um, first difference though is that Sangare is physically imposing; like he's very big. Um, compared to Diallo, Diallo is not you know as physically imposing or big. Although both still get the job done. They are both great ball winners, great ball carriers. They offer vert- verticality as well, and they basically run the midfield for their team. So I think there are a lot of similarities. Obviously, um, Sangare is the more experienced player because he's played a lot more and um, is therefore more refined. So the room to grow with Sangare compared to Diallo is kind of different. Sangare had just, you know, a little more left in his development compared to Diallo. But that doesn't take anything away from Diallo, though. I think that even though you might want to be disappointed that, okay, you didn't get Sangare because he's he's a really good player. Uh, at the same time, you look at Diallo and you look at his potential and you look at what he already can do and the maturity he has and the maturity in his play. And you know that, you know, you're getting someone who is just as good or will be just as good in a few months or, or something. So it's not really a miss. Okay. Okay. Well, one of the things I wanted to ask you um, about as well, just before we finish up, was on um, Sofian Bufal. Uh, obviously, he's been at Southampton for, I think, four years and has just left. We signed yeah. him from League Un. He was uh, a big signing for us at the time from Lille. And he's just returned um, to one of his former clubs, um, yeah. Angiers, um and I just wanted to get your your thoughts on Bufal. Have, have had you watched him much before he joined Southampton? He didn't have the best of times with us. He was kind yeah. of we we saw moments of his moments glimpses quality. of quali- quality, and he he obviously is full of um, his techniques unbelievable. He can score absolute wonder goals, but he just wasn't consistent enough for Southampton. And he's yeah. he's moving back to France. He's obviously a really exciting player to watch when he's on form. How do you think he's going to get on back at one of his old teams? Well, um, I think it's a great move for him going back to the club where he actually started because he, he came up the Angers um, Academy and mm-hmm. into the first team before he, got, he went to Lille. So um, I think it's familiar surroundings and he's a player that I always really liked. I watched him at Lille back then and I was very, very excited for him. I was so excited. You know, for the career I was going to have, he went to Southampton. I felt, okay, that's a very good move. And from there, he could, you know, maybe reach his potential or something. But he lost it um, along the way. And that was pretty sad. I didn't I didn't follow him as much um, after I left France. But I was still looking out for him, still rooting for him, still hoping that he would get. And I know that he was very, very inconsistent. And that that's kind of the problem. It's it's a bit similar to someone like Ben Arfa. It's like a younger Ben Arfa because you know that this guy is good. You know he has that ability. He has a lot to offer, a lot a lot in his play. You you almost feel like this guy could be playing at the highest level of the sport. But at the same time, because he's not consistent enough, you're not so sure. And then after a while, it just fizzles. And that's kind of what happened with Bufal. So I think that returning to Angers, familiar surroundings, a place that he knows very well, and a place where he'll be given the freedom to... Even when he's inconsistent, it's not going to make the news because that's that's another thing with England. And that's that's it. I think that's one thing that makes um, being in England so um, difficult for a lot of players and makes adapting difficult because you can't get away with some things 
in England that you might be able to get away with outside of England. I'm going to use Diego Costa as an example. Um, while he was in England, he had a gold drought for about two, three months, and it was always talked about like every day. And then he moved to Atletico, and he had a gold drought for like five months, and no one even knew that it was happening. Like. <laughs> Almost no one knew that it was happening. And I was still seeing Chelsea fans saying, oh, I wish we still had Diego Costa instead of this guy that we have right now. And I was looking at them like, are you serious? This guy has no squad in like five months. But that's kind of, that kind of tells you the difference between playing in England and playing elsewhere. The, you can't hide such things from the media. When, once you're being inconsistent, they're on your back. So I think that being in Angers and even when he's inconsistent, he's going to have that... Um, freedom to steal and that time to get himself back and you know put together a consistent run without that pressure of the media on your backs or people just talking about it so i think it will help him also being in familiar surroundings as well i, I predict a great season for him yeah yeah i mean a lot of Southampton fans have a soft spot for Buffal, even though um, it didn't yeah. really work out at st mary's just because you can see the amount of talent that he's got um and, he, and there are some great memories um, for, for Buffal at Southampton in terms of some of the goals that he scored were outstanding. Um, yeah. One thing that you just reminded me um, that I wanted to ask you before we wrap up, and that was back on Diallo. Um, but it was, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit, but in, for, for Premier League fans and for Southampton fans like me that haven't watched Diallo before, yeah, could you compare him to anyone um, that, that we might have seen, whether it's a kind of French player in the Premier League or just a Premier League comparison? Or or is there anyone that you think that if he lives up to his potential, he can be like? I mean, who? W- what sort of names would you be able to throw out there in terms of his his style of play? Okay. Um, personally, I think that he's a cross between Ndombele and Kante. Um, Ndombele okay. because um, he offers a lot of verticality. Dombele doesn't really think about like sideways, pa- sideways passing. As soon as he gets the ball, he wants to take it forward and start something. That's ability, and he has the ability to do it. Just glide past players and just move the ball forward and get into the final third. And I think, um, in a lot of ways, um, Diallo is like that. Then also like Kante because of his ability to win balls on the go and the way he carries the ball forward to start attacks. I mean, you see Kante as soon as he picks up the ball and he's just going, he's just getting past players and he's just going forward, you know, to start something. And I think that, um, Diallo is similar in that, and he, I think sometimes he even runs like Kante in a way. And also, the way he chases down opposition players who are advancing towards his goal. So that's when he's in a box-to-box role, and maybe he has gone forward to do something. And now, opposition players are heading towards you know his goal. The way he goes after them and stops them, and most of the time, he actually succeeds in doing that. So like he's very good are winning the balls like that when coming back. You know, there's a difference between coming uh, winning the balls when you are being approached and winning the balls when you are chasing someone down. Uh, I think it's just like Kante in that, you know, part when he chases down players and just gets the ball off them. He does it like a lot and he's very good at it. Sounds great from a Southampton perspective to have a cross <laughs> yeah. between Ndombele and Kante. Um, it's definitely... Uh, We'll wait and see how quickly he can adapt to the Premier League and how quickly he can make an impact on the first team. We have yeah. a desperate need for midfielders. So um, our other summer signing, Mohamed Salasu, has kind of been slowly eased in 
um, to the yeah, first that's, team. But that's I, another great player. <laughs> I'm yeah, very, very impressed with Southampton, honestly. This is just we are We are excited to see him in the first yeah. team. He's, he's had a couple of months to get up to speed. Um, but I think Diallo will be um, a little bit quicker in terms of his um, adaptation to to the Saints' um, training and to Hassan Hootel's style of play. And I think yeah. he'll be in the first team sooner rather than later. Clinton, thank you so much for coming on and chatting to us about Diallo. Um, yeah, we thank really you do so appreciate much for having, it. having me. Yeah, I'm going to be watching a lot more Southampton games this season. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely. Well, well, great. We, um, yeah, we, we, we appreciate the support. And um, yeah, if people want to check you out on Twitter, um, lots of lots of great stuff there. If you've got an interest in French football, then definitely worth checking out on Twitter. So just to spell that for people that want to search for you, that's C-E-R-E-B-R-O-N-E. Um, yeah. And yeah, well worth a follow. So Clinton, thank you very much for, for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. This was great. Right, another episode in the books. Before we leave you, Jack, predictions for next week. Chelsea away. Are we getting something? We're not bad at the bridge, are we? We beat them 2-0 last season. I think they've improved since then, but we've had a good couple games, good transfer window. I think we're going to nick a point. We're usually pretty good coming off an international break. I, th- I say that. I think that's true. Probably have to check that. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I'm going to say 1-1. Um, you've yeah. got to be optimistic, haven't you? You've got to be optimistic. So you I look, for- look forward to chatting to you after we get a result there. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening. Jack, thank you for joining me again and speak to you next week. Absolute pleasure, mate. Speak to you next week. Thank you.